Welcome to Buildings and Beyond. The podcast that explores how we can create a more sustainable built environment. By focusing on efficiency, accessibility, and health. I'm Rob Aldrich. And I'm Kelly Westby. Hey guys, Alex Mirabli here, Buildings and Beyond producer and editor. In response to the positive feedback we received following our recent roundtable discussion, we're making a push to include more voices in our episodes. We hope this results in a less formal, more conversational format, allowing our listeners to hear a wider diversity of perspectives and opinions. On this episode, Kelly chats with Jonathan Rodnight and Adam Romano about building operations and training. Jonathan comes from an operations side of things, working for SL Green Realty as an assistant chief engineer. Adam comes from the training side, utilizing his experience as an engineer to help building operators improve the operations and efficiency of their buildings. Some of my favorite highlights from the conversation with Adam and Jonathan include hearing their perspectives as to why training is so critical in today's environment, hearing their favorite stories from the field, and hearing their advice for others who are looking to enter the workforce. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Here's your host, Kelly Westby. All right. Well, welcome, Jonathan and Adam, to the podcast. It's great to see you guys today. Thank you. Likewise, yes. Um, I'll let you guys introduce yourself. So, um, Adam, why don't you go first? Sure. uh, Give our audience a little background. Yeah. So, my name is Adam Romano. I am a Principal Building Systems Consultant with uh, SWA. I've been in the industry uh, almost 18 years now. Uh, Started off as uh, an HVAC contractor and kind of moonlighted as a home builder for a little while there uh, until the housing market kind of dropped out in 08. Uh, and then found my way into uh, into energy efficiency and consulting, uh, and have been there ever since for the past fifteen years, and uh, spent a good time of that fifteen years delivering training. Um, so been all over the country, uh, in a couple other countries, uh, delivering training, and uh, really enjoy it. So I'm glad we're uh, we're talking about you know um, building operations and maintenance training uh, during this podcast. Yeah, and Adam, your training covers. Architects, engineers, contractors, building operators, internal Every, staff. <laughs> right, everything. And uh, yeah, the last fifteen years, it's been it's been a lot of uh, a lot of that. So every sort of you know subset of that. And uh, and yeah, it's been it's been really 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 great. Um, and but yeah, one of the things I'm really passionate about is is building operations and maintenance training because I feel like there's you know there's a real big need to make sure that uh, the folks that are dealing with operations and maintenance are trained, uh, especially as we start to see new technology come into play. Um, we start to uh, new controls. Um, so I think there's um, there's a good need there. So I'm very happy to be uh, providing that. Excellent. And awesome. Jonathan, what about you? Well, my name is Jonathan Rodnight. I have been in the uh, commercial real estate business now for 10 years with the same company of uh, SL Green Realty. Uh, started off as a 32BJ handyman, uh, startup engineer, uh, worked my way up to mm-hmm. an engineer in Local 94. And you, a few years after that, I got promoted to assistant chief where I reside now in my uh, 125 Park Avenue uh, property. I'm a very proud engineer. I've taken this uh, business very seriously since I've been in it. I uh, learned a lot. I was able to be a part of a lot of projects, a lot of upgrades, and work with a lot of great guys that taught me a lot uh, along the way. Uh, without them, I don't know if I'd be here today, but I am very fortunate to have uh, the blessing of them behind me and tutoring and mentoring. And typical guys like Adam who want to teach is how I aspire to teach. And I think that's what this business does need, you know, and commercial property. Things are changing constantly. And being now we face the, uh, you know, the post-pandemic uh, COVID world, we have to now 
learn a whole new phase of life when it comes to this. Uh, it's going to be different and I'm excited to see where it goes. Uh, but this industry does, uh, it does need some good training. It does need some good training. <laughs> Yeah, awesome. Yeah. So we have a little boots mm -hmm. on the ground. We have some uh, someone who spent their career in training. So I think we're going to have a pretty good episode on building operations and operator training. Let's kind of just get into the heart of it. How does staff training really influence building performance and efficiency? Um, I would say, Adam, let's start with you. Yeah. So, you know, I think so every as an engineer, as a, as a consultant, as we're as we're implementing new technology and buildings or upgrading systems, you know, the the heart of that, you know, savings that we're estimating is going to be, you know, based on, you know, can that system be maintained properly, you know, by the operations and, and maintenance you know, professionals. And, you know, we want to make sure that, you know, the, you know, the transfer of knowledge is there from the contractors that are installing these systems to the operations staff that are designed with the you know, or tasked with maintaining these systems. So it is paramount because I've seen in, during my career, you know, systems that are designed to, you know, achieve X or Y savings, uh, not achieve that, you know, because of operational deficiencies, because that knowledge, of, that transfer of knowledge, wasn't there. And, you know, systems put it or put in bypass or yeah. are, you know, are not, you know, maintained properly. And, you know, all of the savings that we're estimating, it just doesn't come to fruition. Um, so I, I think it's it's a key, you know, especially, and it's something that's often overlooked. Uh, that you know uh, is is that transfer of knowledge, that that training there. Yeah, there's almost the assumption that it's going to happen. That right. you know, I calculated the savings in my oh, yeah. spreadsheet, and so it's just going to happen. But <laughs> right. you know, Jonathan and his folks on the ground are the yeah. ones that are really going to save the day or not. So, Jonathan, right. how do you yeah. make sure that you are getting the training you need to? you know, make sure your building performs efficiently or, or where are opportunities where you saw maybe the ball dropped in your, I mean, you don't have to absolutely. name any names. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I can't agree with Adam uh, anymore because you're right. The system on paper is designed to operate a certain way where you expect the efficiency to level out where the money is, where you're saving, correct? Yeah. Um, some engineers who aren't taught properly or who are taught one certain way and they don't want to advance, they're only, they're only going to do one type of uh, work and that's how it works, right? They don't want to step outside those guidelines because that's where people, in my opinion, feel uncomfortable, right? Testing the waters. Mm -hmm. They don't want to mess something up. But in my opinion, that's how you learn. And at the end of the day, uh, working on this equipment, making it more efficient is what we should be doing, right? And preventative maintenance is key when it comes to that because a lot of stuff is going to break. We all understand nothing lasts forever. Uh, if that was the case, a lot of companies would be out of business. So when things are showing signs of wear and tear, it's actually creating more energy to run if the shaft is, be is a little bent, right? Or if a, a compressor isn't running effectively mm -hmm. or efficiently, you're going to spend more in, uh, energy to keep it going. At the end of the day, it's eventually going to break. So for me, key is understanding the signs, right? You're going to see a piece of equipment when it's being installed by a contract and they'll give you a, a basic rundown. Hey, if you hear some kind of odd sounds or if you see this looking a little wonky, you know, this is where you should be uh, paying attention to, right? Yeah. So people like, you know, guys like me in the field who are operating this equipment effectively every day, you know, it's always a telltale sign you're looking for. Sometimes it's a sound, it's a vibration, or you just, you, you just know when it's audibly not going correctly. So uh, the training that... That I think needs to be in place is, you know, year round training for our guys, right? Every couple of months, give a little refresher course, have someone from the outside source come in. Hey, are you comfortable with this piece of equipment? If you're not, give me, you know, give me some instances where you had troubles and see how we can troubleshoot mm -hmm. it together. Yeah. Because that's, that's all it comes down to is training. 
Well, especially with with new technology, right? So you're starting to see new systems going in that maybe are a little bit more sensitive to lack of maintenance. You had old boilers that Correct. were in there for 40, Correct. 50, 60 years Correct. that were just like, yeah. you know, they were just, they were they were the go-to. Like, you know, you didn't have to really maintain them that much. Like, you know, you had to main, do maintenance, obviously, but they Basic, were a little bit more, best, they were yeah. more, they were more resilient, right? So now you have Correct, systems yeah. where you have to replace this, you have to replace that, you have to maintain this, right? right. So now you have to do it because if you don't do it, you know, you're now compromising the entire system. So I think that's, you know, part of it as well is that as we start to achieve greater efficiency, we're also seeing that, okay, the, the, the necessity, you know, the need for maintenance is, is now, is now increasing. Absolutely. Yeah. There's much more, it seems like things are much more sensitive to, um, improper installation, improper mm -hmm. maintenance. Everything is a computer now. <laughs> Everything right. yeah. has a, right. Uh, right. you know, 10,000 sensors that it's running off of. And so <laughs> you can optimize it, but uh, yeah. if one of those sensors is off, you're not optimizing it. You're, I, whatever the opposite of that is, <laughs> you're destroying it, I guess. <laughs> True story. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's what it's there for, honestly. When those systems are designed with with some sort of safeties or some sort of uh, temperature sensors, pressure sensors, if, if they're a little off, your system's a little off. And over time, that little margin becomes a bit large, a larger margin. And with property management or a corp is asking these questions, why isn't you know, why is it like this? Everyone's yeah. afraid to say the maintenance portion, for sure. Everyone's afraid to say, oh, I didn't take care of the equipment as I should. But at the end of the day, they probably didn't have the training or if they, did, they didn't understand something, they were afraid to ask a question. Those are types of, you know, for what I see in the industry, a lot of guys fall into that category. They're just afraid to mess something up or they're afraid to ask a question because they don't want to look like they don't know what they're talking about because they, you know, they wear the engineer's shirt, right? They expect to know where everything is and how things operate. But at the end of the day, when you take pride in what you do, like anything else, you don't know it all, but you, if you're willing to learn, someone's going to teach you at the end of the day. You know, it's very, it's like that, you know, there's guys out that I will teach. Yeah. And you talked about, um, the training kind of refresher courses. Adam talks a lot about just in time training. Like you don't need training six months before you're going to change a filter right. or blow down Correct. a boiler or whatever. You need it 30 seconds before. So how are you seeing that in the field? Like how are guys getting that training when they need it? How I'm seeing is we go to the almighty YouTube, right? Because there's a lot of something on YouTube that's going to give you a little, uh, you know, it's going to give you a starting point, right? It's, that's yeah. how it goes nowadays. But if there was an app or if there was a service provided where they can, uh, anything that could be you know, specialized to their equipment, right? For a company could design something right. like that, make a go-to menu, right? If you're having some minor issues or major issues, it's a good starting point because that's what everyone needs. It's somewhere to start. Everyone's yeah. afraid, like, I don't know where to look. But if they had some sort of capabilities of uh, of an app or a site where they can just go to as a reference, it would be beneficial to everyone. And you don't need it every year. You know, and you have a problem. You could have every, every, other, every other month an issue and you could revert to it where it's, it's beneficial. And you're always learning something when yeah. things break, for sure. <laughs> you're always learning. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes it can be hard to find the manuals if it's an older piece of equipment. I mean, we talked about newer, but at least... Yeah. Well, usually you can find the manual yeah. somewhere, um, but the older equipment—I don't, I can't even read the label anymore. I, you know, the True. company is out of business, or sure. hopefully not. Yeah, that's and even that, and even navigating the menus. I mean, you know, or the, or the manuals. I mean, it's you know, it's sometimes it's hard to comprehend what they're trying to get across. I mean, the <laughs> pictures may not be great. It may not be a, you know, maybe you know, the manual covers you know five different types of you know equipment from different sizes, and maybe there's little differences here and there. So like, there's nothing like you know a uh, a video that really can show you step by step on how to do this. I mean, you know, not to say it's, you know, it's a replacement for the manual, but I think it's definitely a very, very helpful to really see how, you know, Agreed. someone is doing this and how you can actually replicate that. 
Yeah, it's funny with the I you know I talk a lot about VRF, but the mm-hmm. um, and the trouble that we run into sometimes. And there's definitely been things where I'm like, where in the manual does it say this? And it's like, oh no no no, you have to call Japan and oh. they'll they have the sure. secret dip switch right. setting. Yeah. Right, <laughs> You're like, in what? there. Oh, what so secret dip switch setting? That's weird. <laughs> um, and it, so you you also mentioned a little bit local 94. Um, the the union has a lot of training. Can you? Talk a little bit oh, about absolutely. what they offer and how it's been helping you or um, everybody else. So they made it a mandatory uh, five-unit course that every new engineer that goes into the – who has initiated to unit to take the, their courses, which that mandatory is absolutely wonderful. I will say I learned uh, – it's a three-year course when you could by all said and done when you complete it. Right. Um, you're getting a lot of information from the instructors because they're giving you their hands-on experience. Now, maybe not every day you're going to find something new or ex- exciting, but for someone else in the class, they might take that information and run with it, right? So I've, I learned a lot. I gravitate a lot to the instructors there where they were giving me one-on-one uh, tutorials or education on how I can troubleshoot things or where to even begin. Uh, yeah. They come from a background of knowledge. So anyone who steps foot in that course in that training center, you're going to walk out of there more knowledgeable than you did when you walked in. So I recommend anyone who was in the business, get the training. It doesn't hurt. You know, you can only level up from there. And I guess knowledge is power in this business. The more you know, the better off you'll be. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the, are you seeing that all the trainers that you get there then have that um, operator background? Yeah, correct. Some start off as uh, helpers in the business and back mm-hmm. if I'm dating them back in the day and they gravitate to uh, a chief or a super chief position. Some became property managers. So they work their way up the engine room to a corporate level. So they've been there. They'll understand the, the blue collar side and the white collar side. Because what I understand on the blue collar side, I don't get now. Now that I'm learning the white collar side, it's a whole different ball game. <laughs> you know, you learn them both now, right? I yeah. gotta learn politics. I gotta learn money and uh, budgets and things like of that nature. And that's the interesting side of it because that's all new to me. I could do hands on experience I'm, as I'm still learning, but learning the white collar portion of it is they give you that. I'm the instructor I have uh, right now in my indoor air quality. Uh, class that I'm taking. He's uh, he's he was a he retired now super chief for thirty something years. The guy just knows it all. He's been opening project opening buildings for actual living, and he's just good at it to the point where he could just close his eyes and tell you exactly what it is. So <laughs> I pick his brain all the time. And that's invaluable. I mean, to have someone like that to really, you know, to train you to someone who has that experience to to say, hey, I've been in that situation. I, I know exactly what you're going through. And I went down this road and it was wrong. I went down this road and it was wrong. But I went down that road and it was right. Like there how you, you diagnose, you know, these issues. And because there's so many variables, right? I mean, when you look at a system, you know, so like having someone like that that's been, you know, been there to say, hey, this is this is where the these are the pitfalls. These are right. the issues that you may come across. Uh, and this is you know, what you should do because, you know, navigating that is always the hardest thing what I find. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And even the, the like sounds and feels like, I feel like folks who have been in the business for a long time, it's like, oh no, 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 that's, that noise means this. That there you noise go. Means right. this. And that <laughs> yeah. you can't get really from a YouTube video. It's not the same. No. You can't, and you can't really get, you definitely can't get it from a manual. So, um, those are, are really helpful, I think. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Audible is very it's sensitive, right? When you walk in, you know, you could tell right away, especially if you have steam in your building, you know, you have a leak. You're like, <laughs> yeah. you go like that, you exactly. look around, you're like, there it is. You know, you find it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Using all your senses as an operator. I like that. And mm-hmm. the, what challenges are you both seeing? Adam, I think you alluded to it a little bit before, but sure. you know, 
there's a lot of new technology in buildings, a lot of this, these mandates in terms of electrification mm -hmm. for new buildings, mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, reducing your carbon emissions sure. for existing buildings. You know, what kind of pressure is this putting on current operators and um, what kind of what more kind of training does everybody need? Yeah, I mean, so from what I've seen, you know, it started off, I mean, it's always been that way. I mean, te technology is always advancing. And, right. you know, it was, you know, about a decade ago, we started to really get into energy management systems. And, you know, before then, it was, they were there, you know, boiler controls, things like that. They were switches on the wall. And the operator had a good understanding of how to, to manipulate that, to diagnose issues, to go ahead and, uh, you, know, um, you know, try to diagnose what's going on. And then, you know, you started to see, you know, now, they became more of a little bit like a, of a black box, you know, in a sense where now there's, you know, it's more digital. You have to really now understand how to, you know, uh, access a web platform to be able to go in and, and make adjustments and things like that. So that happens sometimes in, in the in the industry. And I see that, you know, and then there's a need for training for that because then you really need to upskill that existing workforce to say, okay, well, this is the benefit of, you know, what's what's what, what's been done. Like, you know, the, the controls that are being, you know, sort of implemented. This is how you can navigate that. And, and and I think, you know, back to Jonathan, what was, you know, what he was saying is really, you know, saying when you don't understand something and saying, hey, I would like more information on this as yeah. opposed to really saying, I don't, I, I don't, you know, I, I know how it works, you know, I get it. And, but then you really don't know how, how to really, you know, uh, diagnose any issues or, or, or to really uh, operate that correctly. So I think it's admitting you need, you know, training and, and trying to seek that out. And, but as we start to see new technology come into play, I see that happening again, as we move towards more electric based systems, you know, now we're getting away from the sort of the familiar burners and boilers that we have in our buildings and we're moving towards more you know heat pumps and electric based systems which now have you know relays and capacitors and and contactors and uh, diode bridges and all these different things that now we have to as operators really understand how do i you know make sure that's working correctly how do i diagnose a problem what do i do when do i call in a contractor when do i when do i know that it's beyond what i can do as an operator when do i need help to bring someone else in to do that. So um, I see the, the need for training just only increasing as we start to move towards, you know, new technology. And Jonathan, as Adam was saying this, I'm, I'm curious because I, I definitely from the construction side see issues when systems are overlapping with different contractors, like uh, plumbing, electrical controls, all in one, you yep. know, um, if it's a, a, you know, a heat pump, domestic hot water system. Now you got plumbing and you got mechanical. And are you, do you see those issues across lines kind of on the operations field? Like certain, maybe you don't have the electrical expertise in house, or maybe you have guys that are more right. focused on electrical versus plumbing. How do you see that happen? Um, once you turn it over to operations? That's a, that's a very good question because, uh, I, I'm in the plumbing background. I had that mm -hmm. as a, a skill set prior to being an engineer. So mm -hmm. I always pride myself on handling that electrically. I, I've only gotten better, right? I'm not the best at it, but I can always learn, but I have a part, my chief who's very knowledgeable of electricity, right? He understands all the components and, and how it breaks down and mm -hmm. how to make repairs. Um, not necessarily, not necessarily saying he could always make the repairs. Uh, he's, <laughs> you know, he's an older gentleman and he's probably like, I'm not going to risk it. You know, we'll call in and somebody. So we do take a small level of chance to uh, make small repairs. But if we see things getting like, above and beyond or something that's way out of our hand of handling, we always outsource that work. But we always try to take the first stab at it. I think that's just how we as a, a group and as an engineer, you're going to learn by putting yourself in that position to try. 
And if all yeah. else fails, you know, we're still calling a contractor that's going to be qualified, right? And competent to come in and make that re- necessary repair to get it back online. Because in an emergency sense, um, you always want to be prepared to get it back online fast and quickly as possible, especially if it's heating in the wintertime, right? You can't, can't leave my building uh, unoccupied without heating because it's not a good look. No. Yeah, well, exactly. And that's exactly what I was going to say is that, you know, you, you know, you have to take the first the first stab at it. And, you know, to be able to feel empowered to be able to do that, I think is, you know, is also part of that training is that you come out with that you know, sort of empowerment that, okay, I can take that first step. I, yeah. I know what I can do. I can look at X, Y, or Z, because uh, those are maybe the most common issues that you find. And then, and then if it is, you know, beyond that, then you bring someone else in, but, you know, at least, you know, maybe 90% of the time, you know, it, it is that, you know, and, and you Correct. can get the building back online and you, you can get it going. And, and I think that that's, that's important. It's, it's to not feel is sort of intimidated by the systems. Yeah. I think that's, that's right. also Perfect part of the work. training is Perfect to really work. feel like you're empowered that you can really do this. Yep. And, and safety comes up too, right? You mentioned electrical. We've all seen Always. the videos, the warning videos on electrical, <laughs> right? So, um, yes. you know, at least knowing where the where you could run into issues if you start to poke around and start to Always. open up. Right. Um, and so having that knowledge or that background to know when, you know, you're getting to the edge, like Adam said, and, and maybe you should call in, call a friend. True story. Yeah. It's a very good point to make. It's definitely, definitely in training. If you know you're not 100% sure or comfortable working with someone that could hurt you, listen, take a step back. It's all right. We'll get it on. You know, I don't want anyone to get hurt. So you're right about yeah. that. Taking safety measures is, is critical when you're assessing any kind of electrical, especially electrical uh, problem, right? Yeah. Right. And you mentioned in the beginning also, you know, COVID, uh, obviously we've all noticed that that happened. Um, buildings are start, are opening back up. Not, I don't know. Some days it seems like we have a lot of people in, some days we don't. What kinds of things are you being asked um, that are different than before COVID? Or like the, I'm thinking health-wise, are you getting a lot more questions around that from so a lot of our tenants, so we have Pandora as a tenant and they made us sign like a disclosure that you know, we can't walk into their space without a mask on because they have their employees all vaccinated. Um, like po- it's all politics now, right? We, I got to play this game. I, I don't want to walk into a space and feel uncomfortable either because if they they have no mask on, I got to wear it. I don't yeah. mind. You know, it's the time <laughs> we live in, right? Okay. So everything under a health perspective has changed as far as what I've understood years ago. But I don't mind it, to be honest. I think it's it's a safer bet for everybody. Yeah. Until we get through this, until we get through this, let's just play the game. Let's play it smart. And and everyone in New York City is on board with that. I gotta say, I don't have many issues with my tenants uh, that they don't comply. At least with, yeah. them, with them wearing their own masks. So it's yeah. It's right. just you know, as the times go on, we'll cha- it's going to change. But for now, it's not terrible. Uh, we just, yeah. It's all about you know the the person you're dealing with at the end of the day, right? <laughs> yeah. As long as they're cool, we're all cool. <laughs> yeah. Does anyone call you up now and say like, what Merv are these filters or like? Is the fresh air damper open or something? In the, in the beginning, we did have some tenants that were very uh, curious to see yeah. how we were taking measures. And of course, I told them what we were doing. And if I if it went over the head, which I'm sure it did, they were like, oh, <laughs> thank you. They, they, as long, as, they, as, long as, there was, as there was a plan in place, they were happy. Uh, you know, yeah. If I would have said, no, nothing, they would have been like, oh, well, I'm going to get on the phone and uh, call somebody about this. Uh, yeah. But they were happy to see that we had at least a response and they felt comfortable with us. Uh, and they see us every day. So as long as they see a familiar face, giving them a, a, an answer, they're happy. Yeah. And you me- you mentioned yeah. you, you took an indoor air quality class. So like, has that helped you, you know, with, oh, with all of this? Let me tell you, I'm learning about VOCs. You guys ever heard of this? <laughs> VOCs? Yes. So, you know, VOCs are now, in my mind, dangerous, right? Because they're on everything. They're on all commercial 
uh, building materials, right? They, yeah. They're off-gassed. Now I'm learning about off-gassing. And mm-hmm. I have a construction uh, floor on the site. I have a construction floor going on right now. As soon as you walk off the elevator, you could smell it. You could smell paint. Right. You could smell mm-hmm. glue tile um, mm-hmm. applied. Right? You could smell everything. And I go, that's VOC. That's a VOC. <laughs> and I got my mask on. I walk around like, hopefully this is protecting me, right? <laughs> but I, you know, learning about that now, it's it kept. I didn't wear a mask before the pandemic on uh, construction right. floors, but going forward, no pandemic. Pandemic. I was rocking a mask because you don't know. <laughs> you don't know. It's invisible. You can't see it. You can't. You, you can smell it. That's how you know it's bad. But everything <laughs> off gases. So learning about that in my air, indoor air quality uh, class that I'm taking now is very ben- uh, beneficial yeah. to my career. I will respect it now going forward more than I did in the past. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny that. Um, <laughs> Uh, you are at least more paranoid now than, than yeah, before. Yeah, gotta be. You know, <laughs> it's health. It's health safety now. <laughs> we were I always feel- trained on asbestos in my career. Everyone is always trained on asbestos, oh, yeah. and that you have a respect for it. But yeah. they don't say anything about VOCs. <laughs> you don't say anything about that. Then See, you have training. Res- I like that the respect for the asbestos. <laughs> yeah. Like- yeah, they're I like, you won't get sick you now, but in like 10 years. And your ability to kill me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In like 15 years, you might develop a cough. Don't worry about that. I was like, wait, what? 15 years? <laughs> but learning about VOCs, I go, all right, got it. And it stands yeah. for a volatile uh, compound. Organic. Organic. Organic compound. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah. there you go. There you, you go. You got <laughs> it. All right. Um, that's funny because we, did, we also did an episode on... Um, We've done a couple episodes talking about kitchen ventilation and, Mm -hmm. you know, like gas stoves are also really bad for your health and indoor air quality. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have a good exhaust system, which I don't in my 1916 house, um, it's also really bad. So every time I turn on the stove, I think, damn, I really need to get an induction stove, (laughs) but I haven't yet. (laughs) Yeah, there it is. Knowledge is power, but also anxiety. Exactly. Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah, there right. it is. Knowledge is power, Knowledge but it's also power. like, oh, yeah. It's like, oh, I didn't know my, my rain should needed to cover the front burners as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just enough, right? It's just, yeah. It looks just enough. <laughs> uh, and so it, yeah. you had, you were mentioning to us before, you have quite a big crew over there um, with you, Jonathan. And is it have you found it hard to train staff and onboard staff? We're obviously, uh, you know, the industry seems to be growing in general and everybody's trying to find talent and right. um, yeah. How, how are things going? It's, with you and- it's some days are simple, right? Some yeah. days, depending on the problem we're having, we'll address it as a team and we can, uh, we can get through it. But then there's certain days where I'm, I might even be stumped and we're all looking at the chief, like, all right, direct us, like give us some knowledge of where to go, what to do. And it's always the, how we delegate it to our crew. Everyone's sensitive to certain things. You gotta be, you know, you gotta play the fine line of uh, everyone's, uh, ability to learn. So I, I just because I get it the first day doesn't mean my partner is going to get it the first day. So training guys is is my forte now. I'm getting better at it because now that I understand my crew, I'm I'm able to navigate it through uh, through working with them easily when it comes to training. But some days, like I said, this is, might be a little bit difficult. But plumbing, I got all my guys squared away. They're they're pretty sure. familiar mm. now. With basic you know plumbing uh, repairs, okay. and we're now we're going into bigger jobs. We changed a lot, a bunch of valves this year, uh, a bunch of globe and uh, gate mm-hmm. valves, a lot larger, four inch, four, four inch big boy flange ones. So mm-hmm. it was their first time doing it and working with me. We all accomplished it on the first shot, and they and I let them do the work. So they got a lot of hands on experience when it comes to that. Uh, electrically, we're all still learning. I'm still learning myself, uh, <laughs> yeah. but we do tackle a lot of jobs. We do tackle, like I said, it all depends on the guy and how we're gonna how I train them independently or as a group. 
uh, everyone's able to learn anything if you ask me. It's just how do you get the the, the information across. Well, that's yeah. great to see. I mean, it's great to see that you have this mentoring component built in. Uh, I think that's 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 important because it's it's not you know you can learn things in a classroom, you can watch a video, but it's nothing like actually doing it yourself and then having right. someone there next to you saying, "Hey, okay, do this, do that." You know, this is what you're doing wrong. You know, I think that's right. that's super important. So, like, I, I'm really impressed to see that you have this mentoring, you know, sort of um, uh, process built in uh, because I feel like that's where you know really it's it's the most impactful. A lot of times. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. I, I do take pride in uh, my ability to do that. Uh, yeah. I enjoy it first and foremost. I really do enjoy yeah. it. So with just that having as a background in my ability, um, to me, it's not really work. I Like I said, I enjoy it. So for them, I hope they grasp it like I do. <laughs> we'll have so. them on the podcast next week. No. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. They'll jump on. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, that's like the best kind of in-time training, right? Just in-time training. It's like, Jonathan coming around the corner. Hey guys, how's that going with you that? You need me to do a video. I'm, a, I'm available. I'll make yeah. a video for you guys any day, any day. That's cool. And what about um, actually hiring um, new staff? How often are you, you know, onboarding new staff from off the street? Or so as of now, we have one position available. Uh, it's a 32 BJ spot. It's a 2 p.m. to 11 p.m. shift. Which is a very critical shift because that's going to be you're going to be by yourself a good amount of hours mm -hmm. without without any kind of uh, right. managerial supervision. Right. So that one you got to just feel comfortable in the event that something happens at eight o'clock at night. That yeah, you can call me as long as you understand the direction I'm giving you. Can you handle at that point? Because people get nervous. I got you understand uh, emotions do come in when they, when emergencies start happening. Yeah. But you got to find that competent person. So for this particular shift that we're going to interview for, it's more or less are they confident in their ability to handle things on their own? Right. I yeah. don't need them to be an expert at anything. I'm not asking for that. If that they do bring that to the table, that's an added bonus on their end. But. I need someone who's competent, right? Who's who's is capable of handling a, a specific job detail at night or an event of emergency. How are you handling it? What is your direction? And then we're going to find out from them, see how they would handle themselves under pressure, because everyone's going to give us, you know, their version. I'm just curious to see what their versions are at this point. But competency is very much uh, a key role in that in the, this the, the two to eleven shift. But during cool. the day, if if that event does open up where we get, uh, get a day guy coming in, I need to know how versed they are with tenants, right? How, how comfortable yeah. they are in tenant space, how yeah. comfortable they are talking to, because customer service in Nestle Green uh, is very big. Yeah. So we need we don't need anyone who's arrogant, right? We don't want anyone mm -hmm. who's over the top or, or an ego trip. We just want respectful characters coming on board and they'll learn. Uh, absolutely, when things happen, we, we, we tackle as a team and we all learn. So in the event that I just need a character with a uh, you know personality who's down to earth, put a smile on, how's it going? And handle the jobs at hand. You know, if they could work on their own, then that's that's also an added bonus. And that's what I hear mm -hmm. from a lot of folks that I, I work with. It's sort of like I just need someone who's you know go getter, someone who's really going to be you know willing to learn, willing to really get in there, and has a good work ethic. You know, and because that's what we're seeing right now is that you know with the skilled trades gap and in the industry as it is, where we don't have a lot of skilled workers, you know, really taking the initiative to say, okay, I want to get into this field, and there's there's a you know lack of of skilled trades. You know, there you know contractors. You know, building operations. You know, folks are 
we're, you know, we're kind of, you know, uh, we're looking for that. We're looking for someone who I can just, I could just teach who, who can I mold? Who can I grab? And I can say, okay, well, you have a good work ethic. Let me bring you in here. Let me, Jonathan, come in and show you how to do it. And, you know, and then teach you how to do it the right way. And, and really to learn those best practices, right? Because you're going to teach them the right way. And that's, that's something that is, is super important is to make sure that, you know, we're not learning, you know, bad practices. We're learning the, the best practices as we're doing things uh, and we're getting into the field. So like, you know, that's something that, you know, I think is, is critical is, is to be able to, to be able to do that. Yeah. Humble, taking ownership. Yeah. yeah that yeah. sounds like what yeah. I'm looking for as well. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No one's asking um, anyone to be an there. expert, right? It's, yeah. it's not, it's, you'll learn, you'll be an expert yeah. within time. It's not that difficult if you put your mind to it, right? But the yeah. personality is key. Personality exactly. is key. And I find that the the sometimes it's hard to get that technical, you know, competency from just questions in an interview. What's your go-to interview question for to get at that technical competency? I like this. I like this, especially for <laughs> refrigeration. I'm always yeah. going to ask about a safety. Right? I like to know if how they would handle uh, if they walked into yeah. a mechanical room and you have a uh, a unit go off on high head pressure. What are you looking for? What you you're, you're going to tell me? You know, if you see a unit that's tripped out. How do you approach that now, right? And I see what, there's more than one excuse or reason why that tripped mm -hmm. out. And I like to hear their feedback because that tells me that they understand the system. They understand right. where to even begin to look. Because now if I have to go and do it, you better be learning with me, right? Because I'm showing you, you know, symptoms or signs of why we're going off on high head. And going off safeties alone are going to give you a nice indication of the system layout and how it operates. So yeah. basically a safety right. question on a, an interview for refrigeration I go to and electrically, right? I'll go with that. Like, how do you handle anything electrically based? And if they go the safety approach, that's my guy. I appreciate a safety response any day of the week because that shows yeah. me that you care, that you don't want to get hurt or, or hurt anyone else around you. Right? Yeah. 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 And and then and that deep understanding, like you said, like you know, to really understand why a, re a refrigeration system goes off on on a high head, you would really need to understand how the vapor compression cycle works. You know, you know what's going on at that condensing coil, like what, what's happening there. Like so, you you really do need to have that intimate knowledge. So that that, that is great. That, that that's a great question because it really does you know kind of tease out you know do they really understand the, right. the core the core competencies that you know they're, they're they should be understanding. Yep, exactly. If you go to school for refrigeration, they're going to teach you that there. So I mean you got right. a, a knowledge of it from school, you can bring it right on board here and then we'll go from that point, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. And I love the, the you your your point about, you know, do they have an idea of the multiple reasons why that could be the case? We also look for, you know, did you have a strong stance on something that might have been the right answer, but it it wouldn't have been known? Like there maybe were multiple answers to that question, like and did you say like no, it's definitely this? Um, so having that more like curious attitude. Right. Yeah, exactly. They're going to tell, they're going to give you what their feedback is. And at that point, you're like, oh, I didn't even think of that. Maybe that is true. Right. And you start going back to the books because you might, you don't want to look wrong. You're like, ah, yeah. but it's, it's always yeah. more than one reason for anything while things break. So, or go off on safety. So. Yeah. It shows that they show initiative and caring. Well, it's not inquisitiveness, right? That, that's important, yeah. right? To be inquisitive to really, that's, you know, that's, that's diagnostics, right? You need to be able to right. yeah. have that like, you know, under like sort of like, you know, uh, nagging, you know, sort of you know, feeling like I got to fix this. I got to solve this, you know, and that's, that's, uh, it plagues some people, but, yeah. <laughs> but, but, uh, but it's something that's important though. Like that, Very. I think that's, that's really, you know, is, you know, when you find someone like that, I think that's, that's super special. True yeah. story. I couldn't agree with you more, Adam. 
And it's funny that you were saying like something that nagged you. Like, do you stay up at night wondering about why your compressor failed? Like, yes, I do. (laughs) In this line of work, sometimes things stump you and you're like, what could it? And you won't think about it till you're laying in bed. You're right. It happens. It actually comes to mind when you're like, oh my God, I couldn't believe I didn't check that. It's true. When you least expect it, it hits you. Not under Mm -hmm. pressure though. (laughs) That's funny. Uh, do you dream about uh, uh, safety switches going off in, in oh, your I don't building? want to, no, because okay. that's a problem. Okay. If those are going yeah. off, I'm like, no, oh, that's a nightmare now. That became a nightmare. <laughs> um, and uh, like, what would you give as advice to, um, I mean, anybody on who's listening here and wants a job with Jonathan, he sounds like he is very dedicated to onboarding Absolutely. and training you. So definitely reach yep. out. Um, and for every other kind of new hire, just in the industry at large, particularly in building operations, what would you recommend to them? So an instructor gave me this bit of advice. He says, just care. If you really want to get good in this business, just care. Because at that point, if something's broken or if something needs to be addressed and you care enough to do it, you're going to learn in that whole expert, that whole experience of whatever it is. It could be some basic or it could be something more advanced. If you just care in this business, you will elevate because it's going to force you to be uncomfortable in certain situations. But at that point, you're already invested. And at, yeah. that, and at that point, you're just going to continue to learn and grow. So if anyone really wants a, a good piece of advice in this business, just care. And then you'll ta- it'll go, your instincts and intuitions will take over and you'll understand yeah. and you'll start to learn. I love that. That's so simple. Very, keep it that way, right? It's not that difficult. <laughs> yeah. Anyone can learn anything. I, I'm a product of that. I, I'm self-taught. So... With, with help from others, but I, I took on that initiative to learn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what uh, you mentioned a couple of times um, being proud of uh, the training efforts. What, what are some of your proudest moments as a building operator? Uh, a few times we had some emergency-based uh, problems. We had an <laughs> electrical, uh, we had a transfer, switch, a transfer switch that blew out for my, my first property in the middle mm. of a uh, Saturday night. Oh my um, gosh. Lost the whole building. We had an um, you know, emergency backup generator that kicked on. Thank God it worked. Uh, right. But us having to come in, right, and handle that. And we had our director of engineering at the time who supervised all of us under that kind of, uh, you know, project that was going on. And just having him sit there alone was a little bit of added pressure. That's in my opinion, I was like, oh man, I hope he doesn't say anything, uh, you know, poor about us, but we went above and beyond naturally. And not because he was there. Uh, but at the end of the day, he gave us a really good letter of recommendation as a team. Like these guys know what they're doing. They handled the building, uh, effectively and efficiently. They got the systems back online with, you know, contacting Con Ed, contacting electrical companies Mm -hmm. to get everyone involved. Um, having his backing on that, you know, really gave me, uh, a sense of pride, right? Because having, you know, director of engineering, some come and say, hey, you guys did a wonderful job, really impressed, you know, you handled it really well. And I was fairly new in the business at the time. I was like, I could do this. I could do this. You know, he, he gave me that little, a little bit of encouragement. So, and just from that alone, all the other incidents that had leaks all over the place, you know, random times, you got to come in and you got to handle it right away. And it's yeah. under that pressure, you really know what you're made of. And handling it really well is uh, what I take pride in. And, right. Uh, it's always, it's always the inopportune moments, right? It's always, it's always, yeah. it's always when you have to, yeah. Always, yeah. We don't have the timeline on your side, right? You got to <laughs> no. get it done. You no, got to get exactly. it back up ASAP. <laughs> and that's character. That's character building. And that that's character building. And that's, that's, yeah, that's, that shows that, you know, yeah, you care. And like, that's, that's super amazing. Yeah. Appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. How about mm-hmm. you, Adam? What was your proudest moment? Oh yeah. gosh. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, uh, 
Oh, I can't even. I mean, I've done a lot of things. Like I've, I used to work. Like I said, I used to work as an HVAC contractor. Some of my proudest moments were really helping people that really needed help. Like you know, going into buildings that didn't have heat, or and, and really like seeing the folks there that were, you know, really suffering because of it. And it was you know super cold outside, and it was you know everyone's wearing blankets, and, and going in there and saying, okay, well, I'm going to come in, I'm going to fix this for you, I'm going to stay here all night to, until you have heat. Nice. Uh, that was some of my my, my proudest moments. Uh, is really you know doing that and there was times where i was out like two in the morning making sure people oh. had heat in the middle of winter always uh, the middle of the night right it's always in the middle of the night it's always in the middle of the night it is it's, it's christmas eve at like two in the morning that's when that's when things go bad it's right? always that's in the middle thing, of the night. that is when things break um, if, but, if people uh, need you the most it's always in the middle of the night by the way but the satisfaction is amazing. Like, you know, when you get, yeah. when someone says to you, Hey, thank you so much. Like you really, really did, you know, help me out. And, and, and that's, that's, that's what I loved about working in the service industry and is, is really helping people. And I, I've always, I've always loved that. Wow. Great response. Very and nice. I like, I like that it's the, both of those are so tangible. Like you, you have an issue, you're able to, re, you dig in, you're able to <laughs> resolve it. Obviously, you have people excited about you resolving it. It's always good to get feedback like sure. that, appreciation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But um, one thing that I just love about this field is it's so tangible. I don't know that I could do, you know, derivative training or something like that, where it's like you there's no connection to like the you real can. like right. world, right? Yeah. Um, sorry to all the derivative traders that <laughs> listen to our podcast. <laughs> but, and I understand your building is a landmark building. Um, which we, you know, work with a lot of different landmark buildings. I wonder as an operator, um, what, what does that mean to you and how, um, how has that impacted any of your work? It's the only thing I have about landmark buildings. My property is a landmark building. And, uh, I asked my property manager, I said, what is our, what are we, what troubles do we have with being a landmark property? And he goes, the, the delays, anything mm. that goes through DOB, mm -hmm for our exterior of our property also has to go to the uh, LPC, the Landmarks Preservation Commission. Right. Yeah. And it won't get blessed until they bless it, right? Yeah. They, won't, they won't do any work until whatever they say it goes. So having them oversee all the projects that we go through externally, um, they take their time. They're no rush. So everything's just a time delay <laughs> no. with them. Yeah. Like yeah. anything else, it's just a time delay. But every, yeah. you know, they have a lot of power when it comes to landmark properties. Yeah, I just thought true. that was very interesting uh, to learn at least a little, about, a little bit about that. And that and that's a challenge too, like, you know, trying to, you know, sort of uh, implement an efficiency measure, let's say that's external, right? You know, like let's say window upgrades or whatever. Correct. Maybe. Like you have yep. to, you have to, you know, sort of be within the guidelines. I know like, you know, my, my old days working at Passive House, that was always an issue in some landmark districts. Like how do we get a window that actually meets landmark requirements? And and we yeah. want to do the right thing. We want to, you know, increase efficiency. You want to, yeah. But how do we do it? Right. And, 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 you know, it's, it's that give and take. It's that conversation, like having that conversation, talking to them, having them understand what you're trying to do. I think that's, that's again, going back to your, you know, your point where it's, you really need to be able to understand how to, how to converse with people, how to really talk through all this, that that's one of the skill sets that is, you know, is, that does really help out, out a lot, you know? And it was interesting because when you said the, going back to that, when you said the thing about, you know, how, when your daytime guys have to be able to uh, communicate effectively with tenants mm -hmm. and you don't think about that as a part of the job description for a building operator, right? You think about people in the, you know, in the engine room or whatever, like changing yeah. valves or whatever. Um, but that uh, I talk about that with commissioning all the time. Like you have to understand the equipment, but you also have to convince the 
engineer of the problem and the contractor and the owner and have everybody come together and figure out, you know, maybe, you know, Landmarks has an issue with the way that mm-hmm. it is, or maybe sure. there's, you know, six different kind of ways to overlay where, the, you know, there's a cost associated with the problem and there's a cost to fix it. There's a, um, you know, tension with the controls contractor that would have to provide the solution or whatever. There's sometimes some personalities you have to navigate. Very good. Yeah. yeah you said it best. Personalities. <laughs> personalities. And what are you seeing as um, from speaking of different personalities and different, different people you have to communicate, are you getting kind of um, top-down um, requests from upper management about energy efficiency or like you have to meet these certain energy targets or why, you know, why is yeah. am I seeing on the BMS that the equipment's running at night? Or is anyone asking you those kinds of questions? So my, my chief is always on top of that, right? We always okay. want to look good in management's eyes. So at mm-hmm. the end of the day, we kind of stay on top of those things. And they might refer to us say, hey, where can we make upgrades? Like, where do you, where do you recommend? Or what do you suggest where we could cut back, upgrade uh, certain things? And we came up with the lighting in our property because we have a lot of uh, sure. dated lighting fixtures. Um, upgrading a lot of it to LEDs would... Mm-hmm. It would definitely add some uh, savings to the cost of uh, energy efficiency, as well as I know, uh, I was touching base with Adam earlier about EC motors, and oh, we yeah. have over 400 uh, fan power boxes in our in our building alone with all the tenants that we have. Mm-hmm. They, so the idea is when the tenants turn over to new uh, to new leases to have EC motors on our on our uh, fan power boxes compared to the traditional ones we have now, just to save costs, you know, down mm-hmm. the line. So, at, you know, giving us, giving us that feedback to the management, um, they were very helpful to, you know, draft something up and give it to corporate because we all work in unison. We all, it's a team that really runs the property and, yeah. you know, they refer to us like we refer to them and we just bounce ideas back and forth. And that's impressive. Mm-hmm. They'd be able to, you know, for you to be there and, you know, on the ground floor, really uh, uh, identifying these, you know, these opportunities and saying, hey, we should yeah. do this, we should do that. It, it shows a really good, solid understanding of not only, you know, just sort of efficiency, but just, you know, like uh, all the opportunities that you can have to improve, you know, your, your building. So, Correct. I, you know, I think that's, 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 that's great. That That's the goal. Like that, you know, from a training perspective, that's, that's what we want it to see, you know, from operations yeah. staff is really want them to not, you know, not only be able to operate the building, but to really say, hey, hey, what about this? Like, we, I think we could do something here. I think yeah. we could do something there. And that's 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 where it really transforms. Yeah, create that plan before turnover happens. So these, yes. this is the list of upgrades right. I can do. You go. Otherwise, right. you're just going to yep. replace in kind if there's right. any issues or exactly. leave it. And so, that's what I've seen from time to time. We've all seen yeah. it in this industry. They just replace what we already existingly had, right? They just make it you know look different, but it does the exact same thing. But yeah. efficiency-wise, yeah, upgrading everything to something new where it's going to save us some money, make us look good, I'm all about that. And come up with them for management asking us for our ideas. Here we come up with the ideas and we brainstorm constantly. So that's one yeah. of them, one of the many that we have, I guess, in the future that's of, awesome. of upgrades. Yeah. That's why you're still at SL Green, I guess. Been there for, for now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I try it, you know, try to move up. <laughs> that's awesome. So we always like to ask this, if we have you, when we have you back on the podcast in five years, what oh. do you think we'll be talking about then? In five years, I I think energy efficiency will be the primary target. If you ask hmm. me, I think uh, we're going to have to find out some different, unique ways of saving money. Uh, but it, when that comes, we're going to see a whole new line of of uh, technology as well. I think Adam could definitely relate to this. Um, I'm seeing it now with controls alone. Um, it's, it's definitely upgrading, and for for the sense of energy savings. Um, training it will be initiative at that point for us to understand and how to operate and how to. Uh, 
uh, diagnose any issues that go down. Um, but at the end of the day, I think we'll be talking about energy efficiency again in five years, no doubt in my mind. You think we'll still have some pneumatics out there? No, absolutely not. <laughs> oh my God, that's one of the worst. Okay. That's one okay. of the worst. Uh, for energy efficiency, that's all I'm going to say. For energy efficiency is the worst. Uh, but it, will, it, it could be in certain areas, but I don't think it'll be updated to anything new. Pneumatics. <laughs> Adam, what about you? You know, I'm, I'm hoping we solve the skilled trades gap. I'm hoping we're not talking about, you know, a lack of qualified workforce or workforce that's really interested in mm. getting into the field. So I'm hoping, you know, in the next five years, you know, we have folks that are really interested in getting, you know, starting a career and starting a, you know, very good career in, you know, in the skilled trades. Uh, and, you know, and that are really excited about new technology because, you know, it's it's going to happen. We're going to be, you know, we're transferring to new technology. That's good. It's always going to happen. Um, but uh, I'm hoping we have a good workforce that's there that, you know, and I think we will. I honestly think there's a lot of great efforts that are happening across the country in New York State and New York City that are really trying to, you know, really solve this. And, and I think, uh, I think we'll, we'll, we'll see success, you know, and I, th I think we'll have, you know, um, really good building operations and maintenance. Not that we don't have it now, but I think we'll have, you know, a, a bunch of people that are really interested in, in, in really moving buildings forward. I like that response. I do. I, I, I second that one. I think you're right, Adam. I think that's something we should strive for as an industry. As an industry, we should strive for that because it makes sense. It really mm -hmm. does. I mean, Jonathan, to your point, like you you went in, you have gone up the ranks, you've really developed a really awesome career for yourself. Thank you. And Thank you. Um, like there are tons of opportunities like that across New York City and beyond. Right. And um, seeing that as a real opportunity and not just sort of like a, you know, old engineers game or something like that. Mm -hmm. Tougher um, change, right? So it's yeah. time. Uh, none stays the same forever. Yeah. Now, yeah. And it's totally different now. Like you have, you know, if you're really into, into computers, if you're into new technology, yeah. like everything's becoming more automated and more digital. So, you know, you really do need that background. Or if you have that interest, I mean, you know, this is a, a viable career that you can really start to True. say, hey, it, it makes sense. You know, it's, it, you know, and not to say, you, you don't have to turn the wrench anymore or, you know, or do that. <laughs> this. Um, but, you know, there more of it's going to become more automated, more computer based. So if you have an interest in that, have a good understanding, I think, you know, it, it could be a very good, you know, and viable career. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you both for being on the podcast. This was great. Yeah. Oh, pleasure. It's amazing. I'm looking forward to uh, doing this again. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> Hopefully earlier than five years. Hopefully yeah, we don't have to wait the full five years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hopefully earlier than five years. This is a that learning good. experience. I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> Thank you for listening. And thanks to Kelly, Adam, and Jonathan for the great conversation. For more info, check out the show notes at squinter.com slash podcast. That's swinter.com slash podcast. Buildings and Beyond is brought to you by Stephen Winter Associates. Our goal is to improve the built environment. If you're on a similar mission, consider checking out our careers page. We currently have over 30 openings across our DC, New York, Connecticut, and Boston offices. If you have ideas for episodes, suggestions for guests, or general feedback about the Buildings and Beyond podcast, we would love to hear it. You can get in touch by emailing podcast at swinter.com. Again, podcast at swinter.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>